0: As I prepared to start writing this sermon, I was kind of at a loss for words on what to say. The scripture itself seemed pretty self-explanatory and included a main theme that is seen throughout the entirety of Jesus's life. Except this time, the scripture follows Peter and his experiences. Peter leaves the disciples and followers of Christ that had been welcomed into the church without an issue and goes to eat and spend time with the Gentiles who have been kept away from the church. Upon his arrival home, the other believers and apostles asked Peter why he went because the Gentiles were seen as unclean and unwelcome. This question could either be seen as a rude judgmental question or one asked out of curiosity. The apostles already looked to Peter for guidance now that Jesus has risen into heaven, so they could be asking to see if they are in the wrong or should be acting differently. Peter's response was more than a simple explanation. He used the question as a teachable moment and showed how he too had to change from his old beliefs in order to become a better follower of Christ. He recognized that he received guidance from God and was now prepared to pass it on. Peter learned to take more pride in his faith than the fact that he hadn't eaten anything deemed unclean by societal standards. Now Peter has learned to embrace all of his brothers and sisters in Christ regardless of who they are or where they come from. Jesus always strove to protect and stand with the outcast and marginalized people of society. And now Peter is embracing this practice along with everyone else. The more I looked at the passage, the more it started to make me think of places or people in my life that strive to be inclusive. I thought of my friends and how they let me invite people they don't know to hangouts to my parents for opening their doors to my cousins or my friends who need a place to stay. And of course, I thought of this church, which I've been lucky enough to call my church for as long as I can remember. From events to each age group to intergenerational events to the little kids walking down the aisle with the gift bags, it really shows how much the church strives to accomplish this goal. There are also so many ways that the church tries to reach out to those who aren't members of our church as well. One of my favorite things has been having discussions with people from other faiths. In confirmation, my class attended worship at a Jewish synagogue and got to see what their worship service looked like. I've also enjoyed the day that we invite our Muslim and Jewish neighbors to come dine with us at Wednesday Night Lives. We also try to help others, we also try to help others my grandparents have always been huge participants in the monthly second Saturday service opportunities and love to bring us grandkids along. I distinctly remember one month we were helping at a One Away food distribution. Now One Away has always been one of my favorite organizations to help anyways, but this situation made me appreciate the organization even more. It was towards the end of the morning and my grandma and I were about to leave the distribution area when we heard someone asking for someone who spoke Spanish. Now my grandmother was so quick to offer me up and while I was happy to help, I was also worried <laughs> that my eighth or ninth grade Spanish knowledge wouldn't be enough. So I follow the person around and we stop in front of a shopper with two adults preparing to help her through the line. The shopper only spoke Spanish and the two people with her only spoke English. I look to the helpers and all that they ask me is to ask the shopper what her name is. All they wanted to know was the shopper's name. It wasn't so much that she was an outcast of society, but not being able to communicate with everyone definitely keeps her on the edge of it. This had such a huge impact on me because of how simple the question was. It almost seems too easy, and yet for someone who can't communicate and might not have the ability to learn English, and keep them from doing day-to-day things like getting some groceries. The situation wasn't exactly the same as the one in the passage, but something like language and limited communication can make sure that someone can't become a part of society. I hope that the shopper has learned at least a little English or has found people who speak Spanish. Peter also asked the disciples, who am I to stand in God's way? Peter poses such a bold question to show that this is what God would have wanted. God wants all of his children to interact with each other in a friendly manner. God wants everyone to worship together on a united front. God doesn't want people to compete or compare how they worship because then it's not about worshiping God. If you only focus on comparing yourself to other people's faiths and beliefs, then your your individual relationship with God might be suffering. A couple years ago, my dad started a fun tradition of bringing chocolate Easter bunnies to a Sunday school class based on the same principle. We were talking one morning about the differences between wearing a cross necklace in honor of God or just for show. My dad said that, of course, it was okay to wear the necklace, but to make sure that you were wearing it for God and not to just look the part. His analogy was that if you wore the necklace in honor of God, then you're like the solid chocolate Easter bunny. While if you wore the necklace just for appearances, then you're like the hollow chocolate Easter bunny. And of course, everyone favors the solid chocolate bunnies. So I guess this passage does have a simple lesson, but in reality, it can be hard to achieve. All we are asked to do is set aside our prejudices and stereotypes and welcome those we may feel the need to turn down. Easy, right? But for now, we can start with making progress and little by little hoping to be as welcoming and inviting as we are taught to be. For God's love is unconditional and any genuine effort is bound to be appreciated.
1: So I learned about a week ago that I wrote this wrong. but, but because of everything going on in my life, and I plan to graduate high school in two weeks and prepare myself to move to Savannah, Georgia to attend SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, I didn't fix it. And then on Friday, Pastor Chris gave me the green light of this sermon, so I continued to not fix it. Um, and so basically what I'm going to tell you about is my explanation of my relationship to God, like Peter gave his explanation of his. And so... Some of you might relate to me or simply understand my situation a little bit more than I do, anyway. Ever since the sixth grade, the year I was confirmed, I've had questions about the Bible and the church, but I haven't raised my voice quite loud enough for anyone to be able to answer my questions. For a few years, I became content with the feeling of not knowing, feeling that the not knowing was simply a nature of our religion, which I have found out to be true that this God had all the answers and would give you the ones you needed at the right time. But over time, I became impatient, waiting for the answers I needed to accept a relationship with God. I turned away from the church and the religion as a whole, declaring myself atheist, believing only in mankind, or an agnostic, believing in a higher power, but not convinced of this one true God. I went back and forth with, with these two, and I found myself using them interchangeably. After declaring myself atheist, Someone once told me that God created atheists so to show that someone could be kind, not for a place in heaven or his brownie points, but out of the goodness in their hearts. I felt defeated by this. I can't express to you how angry I was because I had tried so hard to escape the life living under God to find that someone could still categorize me in his plan. I did not want to be in God's plan. I didn't want to follow God's plan, but instead my own, and I did not want to be—I was not an, Whoa. (laughs) My life was my own to live, my decisions my own to make, my ideas my own to think. I was not a calculated person in someone else's image. It was like having a rope tied to you, and every time you cut it to escape, someone tied it tighter and tighter. This grew me farther from the church and farther from the idea of God, farther from the questions I wanted answered, and farther from the willingness to ask them. Then, over the course of many months, I found myself turning to what I knew and praying to a God I barely believed in because it became convenient for me. I felt guilty that I claimed myself one thing, but secretly prayed for the benefit of myself. This became a selfish practice of mine that confused me even farther in my relationship with God. When I finally came to terms that I prayed towards God in private, but still attempted to convince others I did not believe in the Christian God in public, I realized I was doing this not because I was peer pressured into being a cool teen and rebelling against organized religion, but because I was pressuring myself into believing something I had felt a year before this. I felt ashamed to take back my word on being agnostic when I was so proud to tell people I did not believe in their God. I also knew if I took this back, I would be expected to actively participate in showing the Lord's affection toward others and attending a Bible study or youth group, places I didn't think I'd feel welcomed after turning my back for so long. I've never liked the idea of my relationship with God being such a public matter, which is surprising considering I'm such a public person if you know me well enough. I feel ashamed to admit this as my story, and even now I'm scared of the consequences of this sermon. I know this congregation, and I know you will not mind my struggle in believing something written so many years ago, and you will offer me a helping hand in answering as many questions as you possibly could, because you cannot force a relationship onto a person, but merely encourage it. But I also know that others would be mad about my questions as a whole, my selfishness in using God, my hypocrisy of saying one thing and doing another. I also learned that one's relationship with God, public or private, didn't mean his love for you was any greater or any less. Today, I'm still unsure. I'm scared to open my heart back up to a place I turned away for so long. I'm scared to to admit the mistakes I've made. I'm scared to be swallowed back into this overwhelming pressure I carried before and I'm scared to be rushed back into a relationship I've tried so hard to deny. But I do know I believe in God. It may be little, but it's still there. I still have questions and I don't agree with everything, but I still believe. So as we leave today, I encourage everyone to embrace a change in their life and understand even with the doubts, with the questions and with hatred, you are still the child of God and God loves you.